Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Welcome to your Monday edition of Fantasy Football Today. We are looking back at a PPR draft that we did last year. In fact, it was the Fantasy Football Today League. And uh, this was the last starting lineup that I submitted. You can tell how my team went. Sam Darnold, Todd Gurley, Ronald Jones, Keenan Allen, DK Metcalf, Sterling Shepard. For some reason, Gerald Everett is starting a tight end. Stefan Diggs and the Titans DST. I don't know who they were facing. I did not have a very good year in this league. Uh, but you won your final game. I did? Well, you it did. says in the standings that you have a one-game oh. win streak. Yes! Um, did I, you I finished didn't six and seven. All right, six and seven, almost five hundred. Congratulations! I scratched. You, you were worse than Pete Prisco, though, so that's not something you Woo. want to tell people. And, and he took the Jaguars in like the ninth round. Uh, Dave lost in the finals. Heath said, "Heath, you had a horrible year in this league." Like, if you wanted to do a show called "Let's Make Heath Look Like an Idiot," reviewing this league from last year is the league you would use. I took Juju Smith-Schuster ahead of Michael Thomas and Dalvin Cook. I dropped Raheem Mostert, and I traded Aaron Jones for Cooper Cup right before he was removed from the Rams' offense. <laughs> All right. Thank you for that, by the way. That worked out for me. And we're going to see what we can learn, the lessons we can learn from uh, looking back at this 12-team PPR draft that we did last year, the comparisons we can make going into 2020. And we don't have a lot of news items, but we do have a note on James Conner. Your Tuesday episode is going to be about Potential workhorse running backs that might not be very good anymore. And James Conner might fit that bill. Todd Gurley, maybe Melvin Gordon, Le'Veon Bell, um, maybe Leonard Fournette. So we'll look at those guys, an interesting range of running backs to pick from and and try to figure that group out. Uh, So actually, and then we're going to look later this week at year two wide receivers and the trends we've been seeing with year two wide receivers. Uh, I missed it. Did, uh, Did the Bulls win? Last night, <laughs> not in the last decade, but well, it depends. It depends how you view it. I don't. I didn't no. see the episode. I'm like five behind. They, they, they definitely won, but then they lost. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, Dave yeah. is decked out in his Bulls. He has, a, he has a Bulls jersey on, and he's got like a I red undershirt. My, my black Jordan jersey. Yeah, it's what? the same one I wore at my kid's bar mitzvah. We all wore Jordan jerseys at his bar mitzvah party. That's awesome. You would have known if you had been there, Adam. I, I don't remember why I couldn't go but I know I couldn't go. <laughs> All right, so I got a follow-up question about the last dance. After we read the email of the day, it comes from Dwayne. Dear Michael, Mia, and Lawrence. Not Bulls. Oh, one of them is. These are UNC stars, Michael Jordan, Mia Hamm, Lawrence Taylor. Oh, all right. Wondering why you guys are so tough on Amari Could Cooper. be characters from Bad Boys. From Bad Boys? Well, one actor, Martin one Lawrence, character. Michael Lowry. Yeah, there, it's yeah. a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you guys so tough on Amari Cooper and seem to give Mike Evans a pass? These guys' game logs are basically the same the past few years. Furthermore, most of the receivers ranked in your top 12 average the same amount of single-digit fantasy point games as Amari Cooper. Just curious. Why are you so tough on Cooper and you give Mike Evans a pass? I have Cooper ranked higher than Evans, so... <laughs> Good for you, Heath. <laughs> I like that Evans has been more productive on a per-game basis each of the last two seasons. Evans is is adding Gronk to his offense, and he's getting Tom Brady, but Dak is getting CeeDee Lamb, and he's catching passes from Dak. I think it's close between them. 
probably closer this year than the stats from the past two seasons would suggest. But I think we're going to see Evans be a little bit more consistent. I'd rather have the player that's been that is better and is in a better offense. I don't. I actually don't know who you're talking about. I don't either. Evans is better than Cooper <laughs> as a player, and he's in a better offense than Cooper. I mean, the Cowboys were the best offense in football last year. I think uh, yards per play that was last year. Last yeah, year. And see, I think like one question, and I know Adam, you got. I think you called Dak a bust. But <laughs> easy, if, easy. If you're asking me, like Patrick Mahomes has been taken away, and the Chiefs can only have one quarterback for this season, I'd rather have Dak. Oh, but then everyone or then Brady? Then Brady. Okay. That no, that's that's fair. Um, I, are, I think if you posted a poll on that, you'd be surprised how many people would take Brady over Dak for that answer. <laughs> oh, well, pro- probably. I'm going to do it. Yeah, I'm interested. So, well. Are we giving Mike Evans a pass, though? Because I feel like he's been going kind of late. He's a, he's they basically go in the same spot. One goes middle round three, one goes round four. I mean, you know, it's maybe 10 picks apart, but probably like three receivers apart. Yeah, I guess that's not insignificant. Um, all right, anything to add or we can move on? I get, you know, how many catches you got for Mari Cooper? Last question. 85? All right, well, that's... I was say 80. Yeah. That's not great, and that's what that's what you should expect from Mike Evans based on basically every year he's in that range. That one year with 96 catches. Other than that, you know, his 16-game pace in his six seasons, 73, 79, 96, 76, 86, 82 catches. He's, not a, he's a yards-per-catch guy, but he's not a big catch guy. So if Cooper doesn't have that over him, then, you know, what's he got? Yeah, right. I, don't have, I don't have Mike Evans at 85 for sure. What do you have, Matt? I would say 75 for him. Yeah, 70, 75 probably. So if there's a five-catch difference, the yard should certainly be in Evan's favor, and I think the touchdowns were in Evan's favor. Okay. All right, then. Uh, follow-up question. been wondering this. What is it about Michael Jordan that makes him so captivating? I'm sure there are obvious answers, but I just feel like, I don't know. I, I hated Michael Jordan when I was growing up. I sports hated him. But you were a Knicks fan, though. Yeah, so and, I, and yet I can't. And then now I like I'm fascinated by him. And I know like he's kind of a jerk, or he had been in the past, you know. But I just can't take my eyes off of like a Michael Jordan documentary. You know, he just there's just something about him. He's one of the most. He's probably the most interesting athlete ever. What is it about Michael Jordan? He he said in some interviews leading up to this that he's going to come off as a bigger jerk in this because of how he's going to treat his teammates and people are going to view it that way. And I, I felt the exact opposite. Like yeah. I thought it was more more compelling to hear some of the things that happened behind the scenes. And obviously his teammates are going to speak favorably. The one thing that I saw was like Luke Longley refused to talk for this. Part of it was because the camera crew wouldn't go to him because of cost and everything that was going on. But there were some stories that, you know, he took it the hardest about, you know, Jordan coming down on him because he was replacing Cartwright, stepping into that role. That was Jordan coming back and having to deal with that whole thing. Um, I thought Andrea Kramer in the in episode 10 said best that he became global before social media based on just his play and the aura of him. And, you know, you always get the comparisons of the Bulls to the Beatles, you know, that that was the feel anywhere they went. And they went to Paris to start that season in 98. And it was just like, you know, that they were taking over Europe at that point um, that he he. You know, the the perception of him probably would have changed if there was social media with all the gambling stuff and, you know, how that 
unfolded for him and, and maybe the cri- criticism there. But I, I mean, he's, he's Teflon. He's, he, you know, there, there, there may be some things that have happened, but he's untouchable. Yeah. And I, I think he's just, he just has this grace on the court, right? Like, like LeBron is a bull and Jordan is just glide. He's like on, on ice. And I don't know that there's just something about that for me that I just always marvel that just the way he played the game. Like he was, I don't know, just on a different surface. <laughs> Maybe that's weird, but that's the way I saw it. Just there was a grace to his game that is unmatched. We hear athletes talk about like, you know, the, the, just in, in following the, the documentary, it's, it's Jordan, it's Brady and Tiger. You know, just the, when they smell victory, you know, it's happening. Dave, what about you, Chicago man? He was he was a winner on the court, and he carried himself magnificently off the court. He he was never there aren't a lot of documented times where he was rude to people. Everybody in Chicago seems to have a Michael Jordan story, except for and, his teammates. He he was plenty rude to them. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Obviously, think about it like this. Okay, so he gets into a fight with Steve Kerr, and he punches Steve Kerr in the face. And does he does he not call him? that day and apologize for it and say, listen, I, I lost my head. He did. The he best thing him. about that was he goes, <laughs> I had to get Steve Kerr's number. He had no need for Steve he didn't Kerr's have number, his number before he punched him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's true. But he, he, at least he did that. He apologized for it. He killed and Scott so, Burrell. That, that's pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. He hated Scott Burrell. Uh, he hated Jerry Krause. He, he was really mean the, to Jerry Krause. I yeah, thought, though, know, I, I, and I know, yeah. Adam, you haven't seen this. I thought it was pretty cool that they gave Jerry Cross credit last night. Oh, and I they hope, did the, I hope they did. I, I, I hate to say this, but I, they couldn't overpay Rodman and Steve Kerr and Judd Bushler and all that. Pippen probably deserved to be overpaid just what he gave the team and that he would help, you know, keep the Bulls playing well. But he was breaking down. And so Michael was still great, but it, really it came down to Phil did not want to coach that team anymore. Uh, and, that's, and Michael wouldn't play for anybody else until he was compelled to play for Leonard Hamilton. Heath, I, I did a poll a few days ago on Twitter asking people, just who, who, where are you on this, Michael Jordan or LeBron James? Did you vote? No. 78% said Michael Jordan. And that really surprised me. 3,200 votes. Me too. Well, it's a little bit like... the. The documentary had an impact. It, on that. it does, sure. right? Somebody said yeah. only twenty-one percent of say LeBron James is because of recency bias. I'm like, actually, the recency bias would would definitely favor Michael Jordan. Right. Um, yep. But he, but a year ago or two years ago, when LeBron was in the finals, I guess he's been in the finals pretty much every year. Not last year, obviously, but people, it would have been a much closer poll if you had taken it then. I. I mean, I'm sure this is going to surprise nobody, but <laughs> I would have voted for LeBron when he. I was always Jordan because people were deba- people have debated this forever, and a lot of people were coming on to the LeBron side. I was always Jordan until LeBron basically single handedly beat the Warriors in the finals. I know he lost to them like three other times, but that finals, I couldn't believe what he did in the last four games of that finals, and I was, I just, that's it. I was like, that's it. He's he's the best like- I've ever seen. I think we're going to maybe have a similar discussion in 10 years when one of these young quarterbacks has won two Super Bowls, maybe three, and is clearly going to surpass all of the Breeze-Brady um, accomplishments. And I think the best way to say it, like like it is with Jordan and LeBron, like Michael Jordan's still the GOAT, but 
LeBron's the best basketball player ever. You think so? I do. Yeah. I, I don't. I'm I think I'm LeBron the might one. be the best, best professional athlete ever. Uh, that's Babe Ruth to me. Really? Babe oh. Ruth was out homering teams. What? He was the most. He was the most ahead of his time ever. And that that actually, well, that's because that doesn't make him a great lines. professional athlete. Oh, he was definitely was, a great was, professional athlete. It, it was a diluted talent pool. It, you know, it right, was, exactly. but he, he was wasn't the only a bunch of guys. He wasn't. No, it wasn't like that. It wasn't the only. Like he was the only good player. I mean, he was so. Uh, all right. Well, anyway, anyway, thank you. That was a fun argument. Thank you. The fun discussion. Uh, our Facebook group, join it. We talk about. Well, we don't really talk about stuff like that, but we could. I could post something about that today. Uh, search Fantasy Football Today on Facebook or click the link in the description. And chat with the FFT team throughout the year and other fantasy fans. And golf is back. Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning are battling it out on the links this weekend. Listen to the First Cut podcast all this week. It's Kyle Porter and the crew are previewing the match, Champions for Charity. They're picking the best prop bets, breaking down the course, debating the goats, and more. You can listen to the First Cut podcast wherever you listen to FFT. We also have Twitch on Tuesday night. I'm not going to quite reveal what we're doing because we don't have it finalized, but it seems like it's going to be really fun. Check us out on Twitch Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern till 8 p.m. Eastern. Go to twitch.com slash FF today, and the link is also in the description for that. News and notes. Washington wide receiver Cody Latimer was arrested. Hey, in each of his last three games with more than five targets, he's had 10 or more not, ten or more PPR fantasy points, 17, 10, and 15. Of course, he's only had three of those in the last two years. But anyway, is anybody gonna, who's going to take targets away from, uh, from uh, Terry McLaurin in Washington? I love Antonio Gandy-Gold. I think it was a big opportunity for him. Steve Sims is somebody I think you take a look at late. You know, he had a good finish to the end of the season last year with Haskins. Um, he'll be their slot receiver, most likely. And then keep an eye on Thaddeus Moss. You know, that's somebody that uh, is intriguing. I think he, he would have probably got drafted if he didn't have the foot injury um, that he dealt with, I think, post-combine. Yeah, so. hearing, hearing those names makes me like Terry McLaurin even more. Like I, I think there's a chance for Sims and for Thaddeus Moss and Gandy Golden and Kelvin Harmon's in his second season, but this looks like a team that's got one very good receiver and a lot of other guys that might be 600 yards. Okay, Mike Tomlin says James Conner is a featured guy and a proven runner when he's healthy. Tomlin said that he favors featured backs. And it's interesting because Connor, before the Miami game in week eight, he had 23 carries. He went 11 straight games dating back to 2018 with no more than 16 carries. And only one of those games he had more than 15 carries. And then he had 23 carries against the, the Dolphins, and he missed the next two games with an injury and was basically hurt the rest of the year. So uh, I don't want to get too into James Connor because we'll talk about him on our next show. Oh. But um, Heath, give me a quick thought on, on James Connor. Well, I'm going to go full circle on him. I think I started out with him as a uh, top 15 back and then had him all the way outside of my top 20, and at some point he's going to be back in my top 15. Okay. It's almost by default, right? Like, who else belongs in the top 15 at running back? Like, those last few spots are going to be cycled through quite a bit, I would imagine. So does that mean he's ahead of August. all the rookies not named Clyde edwards Elair? He is for me. Yeah. Okay. Look, he was on Barely pace for, for me. He was he was on pace for just over fourteen hundred total yards and fourteen touchdowns, and he was averaging three point four yards per carry last year. 
Okay. He should be better. It's just, you know, he's two years of not being healthy, and they seemingly want to replace him every offseason. And finally, the Saints signed running back Ty Montgomery. So with that said, let's go to our PPR draft from last year, the Fantasy Football Today draft. What can we learn from this draft? And let me pull it up. All right, here we go. Round one was Saquon Barkley won to me. Well, if I had just taken Christian McCaffrey, I would have had a much different season. Saquon Barkley won. Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, DeAndre Hopkins, four to Dave, Ezekiel Elliott, Devontae Adams, Juju Smith-Schuster to Heath at seven, Julio Jones, Dalvin Cook, ninth to Pete, Michael Thomas to Jamie at 10. Good pick. Tyree Kill, and then Odell Beckham, 12th. Uh, Barkley, McCaffrey, Kamara, Hopkins, Zeke, Adams, Juju, Julio, Dalvin Cook, Michael Thomas, Tyreek Hill, Odell Beckham. Pretty solid first round. Uh, the Dalvin Cook pick stands out to me, guys. He only played 11 games in 2018. He wasn't a, even a top 20 running back in non-PPR on a per-game basis. He was 18th in PPR. He was sort of splitting with Latavius Murray after he came back from an injury. So it was a leap of faith for for Pete to take him ninth overall, and uh, it was a home run. So what can we learn from that? Who is Dalvin Cook this year? I uh, I asked Pete what made him do it, and Pete says that he just he refuses to look back when it comes to running backs, and he likes to project forward because not only did he take Dalvin Cook in round one, he took Leonard Fournette in round two, and both those picks turned out great for him. It's it's a shame that his team barely made the playoffs when he had those two running backs, but he 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 doesn't consider past injuries or anything like that. So like if if we're applying it to the James Conner conversation, Pete's not thinking about the the shoulder injury or concussions or anything else that happened to James Conner. He's only looking forward. He's projecting forward. And he saw it with Dalvin Cook when he went to Minnesota's camp uh two summers ago when he was coming back from the ACL and he looked good. So a year off the ACL surgery, he he was zipping around just fine in camp. Pete took the chance on him in round one. I don't think Cook was a consensus first-round pick last no, year. No way. No. So this was like a big, bold pick by Pete, and it absolutely paid off in spades. Yeah. Heath, who's, who's someone that, Maybe I, you could compare to, him to. Yeah, I mean, you. I know who you want me to say, so I'll just say it. <laughs> um, like Miles Sanders is obviously one of the candidates of a guy that we've seen do it um, very well in limited workload, and we hope that this year he gets a full workload and and stays healthy through it. I think you could probably slide Kenyon Drake into that as well. One of those two guys that are probably going to be drafted more in the second round than the first, but. If you really want them and they hit, taking them as early as ninth overall could work. I think I'll I'll give you another one. Just based on injuries. I'll give you you one more, and this will make Jamie smile. Clyde Edwards Alaire. We're projecting the comparison, though, though, of a guy that. Why? Because he wasn't hurt last year. He didn't play last year. But if we're going solely on what Pete does, which is projecting forward. Good running I mean, I think back. We all Very good pass forward. catching I, running I don't back. think that's a unique thing for Pete. I think the idea is to always project forward. Um, I'm telling. I'm just giving the lesson that Pete gave that I think everybody should try and remember. Yeah, and I but think I mean, that's if we're exactly trying to find somebody that, that fits the, if we're Clyde to find somebody that fits the comparison of of Dalvin Cook, Edward Solaire doesn't qualify. 
Okay. Well, and, but then unless you take it one mm-hmm. other way and you say, hey, if you're going to be an elite running back these days and you're not Derrick Henry, you've got you've to catch passes. Dalvin Cook caught 53 of them in 14 games, and that was a big part of his game. He had 519 receiving yards, and he didn't even score a receiving touchdown. So, you know, maybe he was a little unlucky there. But that's where that's why I think it's harder to make the case for Josh Jacobs in the first round as, as it is for Sanders and Drake, even though Jamie... Uh, Josh Jacobs' name did no. I think just Jacobs mind. is a guy that you know you hope to see more from after battling some injuries. Like had he not dealt with that shoulder injury, remember he he came back to play after the Raiders were eliminated from playoff contention because or no, I'm sorry, he came back to play when the Raiders were still alive in playoff contention. So if he doesn't get hurt, you know, I don't think he has a, a 50 catch season. I don't think he's he may ever have a 50 catch season, but you know he could still be one of those type of players that oh I'm a little skittish on because of. Maybe what happened, but again, if you're looking looking ahead, you're seeing that he he has the potential to be not a first round pick, but a first round caliber player, and probably more so in non PPR than PPR. Does okay. David Johnson fit this? David Johnson? Yeah. No. Not that we would take him in the first round, but player that got banged up last year. No, let's move on because we're about to talk about. Wasn't David consistent. Let, okay. let, let's go to round two. Um, Travis Kelsey is the first pick of round two. Remember, this is, this is a year ago. Our FFT league, it's three wide receivers. It's PPR. There's also a flex, so it should be fairly wide receiver heavy, uh, maybe after the top 20 or so. I don't know. But Kelsey, then look at this run of running backs. Four running backs in a row. Le'Veon Bell, James Conner, Leonard Fournette, David Johnson. Fournette was the best of the bunch because he got so much work, but he was RB13 in PPR. Um Bell, Connor, Fournette, David Johnson. I mean, that's what really stands out to me in this round. Then Heath took Mike Evans. Then Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon. Dave took George Kittle. Zach Ertz, Antonio Brown, and Todd Gurley. So uh, that's a really bad run of running backs. I th- yeah, I think, like, I noticed when I was looking at the first round, I thought, you know, the argument for taking wide receivers late in the first round is that they are so they don't have maybe the same upside as the running backs, but they're so much safer. And you look at the receivers last year, at least in this draft, that went in the first round, and, and there were definitely more receivers letting us down than there were running backs letting us down. That's because all the running backs that let us down went in the second round of this draft. Oh, oh yes. We also had uh, Nick Chubb and Joe Mixon in this round. They were you know more interesting, but... Le'Veon Bell, James Conner, Leonard Fournette, David Johnson. Is there any any theme that these guys have? And, and like like Fournette was fine. David Johnson was doing well for fantasy before the Kenyon Drake trade, before his injury. But I don't know. Uh, they they weren't great picks, obviously. So what well, Connor we got throughout too with with Roethlisberger too. Who knows how that would have gone with Connor? Yeah, I mean yeah, obviously right. he got hurt too. But you know the whole team goes out of whack. So were these bad picks? I don't think they were bad picks. Just, you know, replace them with guys that we're talking about this year. You know, so who are the second round running backs? So Sanders is a, is a second round pick. Eckler's a second round pick. Um, Nixon's a second round pick. Chubb and PPR Chubb, is a second round yeah. pick. You know, Henry's a second round pick. You know, so those are the guys that we're looking at here. So which of these guys fit those molds? Do you know what? I'm not going to sit here and like uh, manufacture a lesson learned. I'm not sure any of them do. But but that's the thing though it's you know the, these are the guys that are going in round two why were these guys going in round two in in this particular draft I mean Bell there was concerns Connor okay we we had high expectations um, and I, I think a lot of people were taking him in the first round so he probably fits in here Fournette same thing 
David Johnson was kind of a okay hopeful with Cliff Kingsbury. You know, if you go back to what the conversation was with him last year, uh, Kyler Murray coming in, um, and and Chubb and Vixen, I think probably are the same same scenarios this year that they were a year ago. You know, guys that are young that have plenty of potential that are in you know offenses you hope can rebound from a previous down year. I, I think those guys you probably throw out, but it's the lesson you want to learn from from Bell, Connor, Fournette, and Johnson. And you know, for for Bell and David Johnson, you know, they're older running backs by the nature of what position they play. What about the fact that all four guys were on? I'll say bad teams because none of them made the playoffs. The Steelers were actually amazing to finish eight and eight, given all that happened to them. Is that a thread that we can look at? I, yeah, I think if any lesson we're trying to learn, we should probably just take James Conner and almost the same thing with Juju in the first, like the Roethlisberger yeah, injury, just like, you're right. But you could say, sure, the Jets, Jacksonville, Cardinals, we didn't really have any expectation for any of those three teams to be over 500. You're right. So does that matter? I mean, but I think should, we did for mean, the Browns. Does that mean Joe I think we Mixon? Did for the Browns, you know, I mean, Brown, the Browns I mean, the were the Panthers weren't over 500 either. And McCaffrey had a huge year. Yeah. It hasn't mattered as much be, be, lately because the way running backs catch the ball. But I don't know. I mean, Mixon comes to mind. They're not going to be a 500 team. But I, I don't know. I, you know, it's, it's fine. This is a unique situation. Let, let's talk about the tight ends, Dave. You took Kittle, and then the next pick was Ertz. Why? I remember. I remember thinking last year that if you wanted to just not deal with the headache at tight end, you got to take a stud early. And I, I, I banged the drum to get Kelsey or Kittle or potentially Ertz in round two. I think I would have preferred Ertz in, in early round three. But I, I was, I was gung ho on Kittle last year. How did that work out for me? It was great because I had a tight end that I didn't have to sweat in my lineup week in and week out. Now, I also drafted Darren Waller in this league and, uh, big surprise, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, I ended up trading Waller to Heath for Devin Singletary, which I, I think ultimately did not work out for me given, you know, all the catches that Waller had. When did Devin. you trade him? It was in the middle of the year. Okay. Not a bad. It's so not a bad I, trade. and maybe I could have gotten, maybe I could have gotten more for Waller, but I, I also remember having all kinds of running back problems. I, I did a bad job drafting running backs in this draft. I drafted five of them and I only one hit. And ended up trading the one that hit in week two, so it didn't even hit for me. So, uh, because I was chasing running backs, I kind of had to give up a little bit more to get Singletary, and then I ended up trading Singletary with something to get Aaron Jones. We talked about it, but I'm getting way off base here. The bottom line is that I had my problem solved at tight end, and I didn't, I, I didn't have to really worry about it the rest of the year, and that's what you should have. That it, it worked out, theoretically. Because I had a tight end that I didn't ever bench, didn't think about sitting down, whatever lumps that Kittle gave me early in the year, I just dealt with. And I don't know if I feel exactly the same way about them this year, because I think there's some good depth to the position. Okay, we'll get into that in a few rounds, round four. Let's go to round three. Keenan Allen is the first pick. And on Johnson, Adam Thielen. This is not a great round. Keenan Allen, on Johnson, Adam Thielen. Damian Williams, Stefan Diggs, Brandon Cooks, Julian Edelman, Devontae Freeman, Patrick Mahomes, Robert Woods, Chris Carson, Chris Godwin. All right, strong finish to this round. Um, first question here. Keenan Allen is the first pick of round three. He ended up being the sixth best receiver in PPR. 
Uh, he had 104 catches, 1,999 yards, six touchdowns. Mm-hmm. He had 149 targets. Um, was this a was this a good pick, Heath, or bad pick? I, was it a low upside pick? Because this is a guy who's who since his rookie year has not had more than eight more than six touchdown catches. Usually doesn't get more than 1,200 yards. You know, he's not usually a league winner, Keenan Allen. But 25th overall, how would you rate that pick? And and the guys I would maybe compare it to are like Allen Robinson and maybe Tyler Lockett, who might go in round three this year. And they don't, perhaps they don't have like first round upside. Your thoughts? I mean, I think Keenan, Keenan Allen is a very low upside pick in non PPR. Or would have been last year. Now he might just be a low upside pick across the board. But I don't think you can say that in PPR just because the catches have such an impact, not just at wide receiver, but at how he would place even amongst the running backs. I think he would have been the number seven running back in this format last year. So you get that in the third round, you should feel pretty good about it. Okay. It's a great pick. Uh, thank you. Thank you. It was my pick. Uh, on Johnson and Damian Williams were picked here. And this is a small sample size kind of thing. We saw we didn't see much from Carryon Johnson. We didn't see much from Damian Williams, but we saw greatness in small sample sizes in 2018. We took them in the third round in 2019. They both were disappointing. And it's you know for Johnson it was so frustrating because he averaged 5.4 yards per carry in 2018, 3.6 in 2019. It was hard to see that coming. But are there Jamie? Are there small sample size running backs that could let us down? Uh, do you think that might go in this range in 2020 or earlier or whatever? And there's one that comes to mind for me is Miles Sanders. Well, I mean, yeah, I was going to say the guys that we, we spoke about already. Um, small sample size from. I don't know if there is anybody that fits the same mold aside from the rookies. You know, the rookies are certainly going to be guys that we're, we're taking in this range. Uh, you know, Taylor with the workload, Edwards Hilaire a little bit earlier or maybe in this range. Um with the, you know, Damian Williams factor. Um, you know, I, I think there's a little too soon for the Acres Swift scenario, but, you know, similar similar situation. I don't know if there's anybody else, uh, you know, small sample size. You know, Carson could lose work because he typically does if everybody's healthy. He'll be in this range. You know, maybe Le'Veon Bell now, but that's certainly not a small sample size. No, no. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Patrick Mahomes goes 33rd overall, which is not... Uh, unusual for our league. So we go to round four and round four starts with Tyler Lockett. This is a good round. Basically anyone who didn't do well in this round, any player that didn't do well was mostly injury related. Tyler Lockett, Evan Ingram, Josh Jacobs to Jamie, Calvin Ridley, Amari Cooper, Aaron Jones to Heath, Mark Ingram, T.Y. Hilton, Cooper Cup to Dave, Kenny Galladay, A.J. Green, and then I had the only truly bad pick of the round. The only guy that was bad without um, being injured. What? Yeah, right, sure. Without being I mean, injured. A.J. Green ended up being a pretty bad pick. Yeah, it was O.J. Howard. And I had the last pick of the round, but still, O.J. Howard. Uh, so Evan Ingram goes here, O.J. Howard goes here, and then next round you actually had <laughs> your next Henry. Your next pick was worse. <laughs> oh, O.J. Howard, Josh Gordon. That was a great turn. Great turn right You were there. super gambly in this draft. You took all kinds of chances. Well, you kind of you kind of have to when you're on the turn. A little bit. Like you're you're not going to no, pick again for 22 picks to. every time. Right. So you could always you could you could go the route that Adam did, or you can take one safe player, one risky pick, or two safe players. It really depends on maybe what you do with your previous picks. 
I don't I don't fault you for Howard, but the Gordon pick. No, I don't agree with that. Who was the who was the next wide receiver? Tyler Boyd, and then no, it's not that. It's just like you know, this was your your draft because you know Gordon was gonna be the guy for the Patriots, but I don't know if we were taking him round five. I think you were you were very high on Josh Gordon. Yeah. I was. You know what? I don't fault you for I either was. pick, Adam, because your first three picks were Saquon, Gurley, and Keenan Allen, and those are like cornerstone players for a fantasy team. And so you, you took some chances with the last pick and four and the first pick of five. Yeah. I'm just looking back at what I had on. Uh, oh, okay. I had uh, three games without Rob Gronkowski in 2018 for Josh Gordon. He had 100 yards. He had 130 yards and a touchdown, and he had 81 yards. He, yep. a- he averaged in non-PPR the eighth most fantasy points per game. In PPR, the 15th most fa- fantasy points per game in three games without Gronkowski. So I thought... That would carry over to a degree. Sure. No, I I understand why you did it, but this goes back to when we were talking about him as one of the one year wonders. Like we we've been chasing it for twenty thirteen since twenty thirteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's another that's a that's a small sample size guy that uh that I don't know if I took him too early, but it certainly didn't work out. All right. So anyway, my question was about tight ends. Ingram, Howard, Hunter Henry. Um when you look at how well Henry did, which was good, it was great for a stretch, then he kind of faded. Ingram was eh. Forget about the injuries. He's like up and down. Um, what what does that tell us about round four, round five tight ends and how they compare to the round one, round two tight ends? So in this case, it would probably be like Zach Ertz and Mark Andrews and Darren Waller. Do you see similarities between them and what we thought of Ingram Howard Henry last year? Uh, and I think the way we thought of those three guys last year was they could challenge the elite guys, they could break into that group and they didn't. So what can we talk, what can we say about that next tier of tight ends in 2020 compared to the top tier? I think this is a good lesson learned and that's why you're seeing Ertz and Andrews in this range as opposed to the round two, three range. Yeah, like they, the I guess the difference for Waller and Andrews and Ertz is we've seen them crack that tier already. Like, Darren Waller was the second-best tight end in PPR. Zach Ertz has been elite for a long time. Andrews was... Elite he last was year. Like, yeah, he was elite. So I, it's a little bit different than with Henry and Ingram where we were saying, you know, if everything goes right, these guys could be top three guys. We, we've seen these guys basically do it. These guys feel like Higby, um, maybe Henry again. I'm trying to think who else is going in that range. Hayden Hurst, about maybe for this year, like yeah, Hayden Hurst. I mean, you know, guy, guys year. that we're we're projecting forward, you know, and and so, you know, based like like your running back question, small sample size. Higby's the perfect player to compare, not necessarily running back, but you know, you're chasing a small sample size with Higby. You know, with Hayden Hurst, you're chasing the potential of what he could be. You know, which is probably you know maybe Ingram. Um, but hopefully, you're not drafting those guys this early. No, but but pick. but again, you know, these are the guys we're saying have the chance to be. X, you know, like I know for Dave was Waller, you know, I, I was I was excited about Andrews. The preseason reports were, were killing him. But, you know, we were we were talking about those two guys as these could be, you know, very good tight ends. And they ended up hitting. OK, round five. Great pick. Josh Gordon to me. Tyler Boyd, David Montgomery, Sony Michelle, Marlon Mack, Duke Johnson, Hunter Henry to Heath, Deshaun Watson, Jared Cook, Tevin Coleman to Jamie, DJ Moore. 
Great pick there. And Melvin Gordon was the last pick. Remember, Melvin Gordon was holding out. Jack took him um, with the last pick of round five, and then he took Austin Eckler with the first pick of round six. Those I, I remember that loving those picks at the time. Yep, and he won the league. <laughs> so good job uh, by Jack. I thought it was really interesting. Sony Michelle to Dave and then Marlon Mack to, to uh, Will back-to-back. Both of them in PPR leagues, you know you're not getting much in terms of catches. You know you're getting a lot of carries. They had the same amount of carries, and they had such different years. And I don't know if there's anything to take away from that, but they both had 247 carries, Michelle and Mack. Mack averaged 4.4 yards, Sony Michelle 3.7 yards per carry. Mack had almost 1,100 yards. Sony Michelle had 912 rushing. They had basically the same receiving stats, which was next to nothing. Mack had one more touchdown. So they go back to back. They get the same amount of carries. They're within this two catches of each other, and Mack just has a much better year. What do you think, Dave? Just better offensive line? Is that the Was that the difference? Well, and how about better running back? Sony really did not play well. Yeah, I'm the one that took Sony Michelle, and and I I'm banking on the Patriots' run game to provide some numbers, certainly some touchdown potential. And Sony really did not have a good year at all. It was a bad pick, and I doubled down on it. I took Damian Harris later on, trying to get you know a big piece of that Patriots' run game, hoping one of these guys could be a number two fantasy running back. And it was uh, it was it was a grenade blaster to my number two running back spot in my team. But there's also like like even with Mac being I guess significantly better than Sony Michelle, like he was, and with things turning out pretty well, a low end number two on a per game basis in this format. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was RB twenty two per game in PPR. He was RB sixteen in non PPR. But I think that was. I think that was a good pick, you know. Uh, what was that? Fifth, like fifty-third overall, Marlon Mack. I'm not saying it's a bad pick, but if you're saying that, like, for that type of back, generally, if it's not Derrick Henry, um, if this is the range of expectations, like Max, the way it turning out well, and Michelle's it turning out poorly, it may be a little early. That's a great point. So who who is that? And David Montgomery's in here too. And, you know, he went right before Sony Michelle and Marlon Mack. And what did he have last year? He had uh, 25 catches, which is a lot more than Mack and Michelle, but not very good. So, yeah, what does that say about the workhorse running back that catches no passes? We'll wait on them. Yeah. Um, and who is yeah, that? This, you know, this, this, I think, is the point where, and I don't remember what Dave did or... Um, or will did, but you know you're you're probably searching for a number two guy that's going to get work in whatever capacity. Yep. So right, and I think it's right. going to be that way in drafts this year too. You know, and, and and again to you know piggyback on what Jack did, we didn't expect we this, this was okay. Eckler's got a shot the first four games, but nobody saw him doing this to this level of what he did last year, and he took both guys with the hope of okay, Melvin's going to hold out, but. Because we did this draft the the last week of the preseason yep. leading up to the start of the season. Um, okay, he's going to hold out, but maybe he's going to be there week one. You know, so he took a risk that you know ended up working out for him. But I I think you know you 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 get to the point in round five, uh, Montgomery, Keyshawn Vaughn, the other rookie. You know, the, the, those two are probably a little bit later. But you know, Acres and Swift, for example, Jonathan Taylor. You know, he's probably the perfect one because he's Marlon Mack 2.0, a uh, better version. Um, but you know, guy that doesn't profile as a big pass catcher, but you know, may get 200 plus carries if things work out well for him. 
So, you know, that's, I think, what you're looking for when you get to this point in the draft of, okay, substitute Duke Johnson with Tariq Cohen, you know, if you want to go the other route. Again, too soon, but that type of player. Yeah, way too soon. But you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, that that's that's why I think Kaiser took Duke Johnson because he was supposed to be the lead guy for Houston at that point. Yeah, um, right. And Carlos Hyde went much later, ended up being a pretty good pick, I guess. Uh, in round six, Eckler, best pick of the draft so far. James White, Aaron Rodgers, Larry Fitzgerald. So Pete Prisco likes to just only look forward. <laughs> I don't know what he saw in Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, Alex- he thought I, I remember when he took. You know, he thought that this was going to be Kyler's guy. You know, and and this was going to sort of rejuvenate Larry once again. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, Kenyon Drake to Heath. Did you end, did you keep Kenyon Drake? What happened? Uh, he was on my roster uh, final week of the season. Nice. Yes. All right. Curtis Samuel, D.D. Westbrook, Allen Robinson, great pick by Dave Sterling Shepard. Jarvis Landry and Philip Lindsay. Great pick by you. No, not really. And around six for what these backs are coming off. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Uh, Yeah. So we got Eckler was a great pick. James White was was solid. Number 18 running back in PPR. Allen Robinson, number eight wide receiver in PPR. Jarvis Landry, number 12. This was a pretty good pick. Um, A pretty good round, I guess. But there are some some terrible picks in here like Fitzgerald and Curtis Samuel, D.D. Westbrook. Yeah, I don't know. This is a bit of a ho-hum round. Any quick takeaways? We can move on. I think a lot of people taken in this round were expected to be at least reliable, solid starters, which is common for round six. That's what you're looking for by then. You've got the basic nucleus of your team through the first five rounds. And you're picking up guys that can be number two or number three receivers or running backs or starting quarterback here. Okay, round seven. Will Fuller, Tariq Cohen, Miles Sanders, Derek Henry. Derek Henry. Dave took Derek Henry in round seven. Uh, Amazing. Pretty good. Yeah, I, I wish I could take a bow for that one, but I traded him. <laughs> I did. It's terrible. Huge mistake. I, I probably would have won the league if I had just held on to Derek Henry. He may not have though, because of how the season ended for him. So he may have been, you know, with the hamstring injury. I don't know, dude. I started Mike Boone in the championship game. Oh. I started Deion Lewis in a championship game where I had Derek Henry too. I lost. Uh, MVS, yeah. Robbie Anderson, Latavius Murray, Sammy Watkins, Christian Kirk, Matt Breida, Mike Williams, Darius Geis. This is round seven. You should be proud of Pete. He did the friendship strategy just for you. He took Christian Kirk. Yeah, that's good. And then Dave, by the way, took Dion. Took uh, Dion. Lu- oh no, no, I'm sorry. Pete took Dion Lewis the next round. Um, but what I noticed about this round, you have Fuller, you have uh, MVS, you have Robbie Anderson, who's probably a number one receiver. Uh, Sammy Watkins, Christian Kirk, Mike Williams. You've got five number two receivers on their teams in Fuller, MVS, Watkins, Kirk, and Mike Williams. And then you've got the one number one receiver, Robbie Anderson. So, you know, that was interesting. They were not successful, though, really. This is a bad round of wide receivers, and I wonder, they, they pretty much all failed. Um, that's probably just bad. Funny that Fuller, Fuller's ADP probably is the thing. <laughs> yeah, we should have uh, probably waited until the later rounds and taken those number twos like Michael Gallup and Cortland Sutton. Right. Right. You know, I I don't know if there's anything to take away from there. 
But one, are, and, are we at a point in the draft where we're taking names we know? No, we're just Sanders. Sanders is a rookie, you know, projected to be at that point the backup. So, mm-hmm. you know, Kirk was coming off a mediocre rookie season. Sanders yeah, I'm, is, I'm, is uh, only the third rookie running back selected so far. We're in round seven. Yeah, Montgomery it's not be went, that way this year. Montgomery went what round five, and Jacobs went round three. And yeah, it's not going to be that way this year. Why do you think there would be such a difference? Because I think we like the running backs a little bit more as far as like season long upside this year compared to last year. Plus the lack of like, it it felt like there's more running back depth last year. This is the rookies that were there. I don't know. There feels like there's a lot of depth this year. I I would say that this is Vaughn's range. Round seven is where you're going to see probably Mm -hmm. Keyshawn Vaughn come off. And maybe like if you're somebody like Ben Gretsch uh, aggressively taking J.K. Dobbins, you know, in this range, too, if you're talking just the rookie running backs. But this is also where you're going to start to see the rookie receivers come off the board. And we definitely did not see that last year. Okay, Dobbins went around eight in the in one of the I'm looking at one of our recent uh, PPR drafts. And I'm sure it was Ben. It was Ben. Right. Round five, though, we had DeAndre Swift and Cam Akers. Round four, we had Jonathan Taylor to Ben. Round six, we had Keyshawn Vaughn to you, Jamie. Um, yeah, I'm saying six, seven is Vaughn. Five is typically Akers and Swift. Four, five is Taylor. And, and two, three is Edward Slur. Yeah. Uh, round eight in this draft from last year, I think we had one good pick, and it was Jamie's, and it was Marvin Jones. Here's the rest of round eight. Emmanuel, <laughs> Emmanuel Sanders, Darwin Thompson, Marvin Jones, Deion Lewis, Corey Davis. Rashad Penny, Daryl Henderson, Vance McDonald, Tony Pollard. Remember, so there was a Zeke thing last year, right? Yeah, Hold Zeke up. was holding yeah, out, yeah, yeah, and yeah. so at the time that we did this draft, Zeke had not signed, and I took Tony Pollard, thinking, "All right, well, if Zeke holds out, this will be, yeah, you know, a starter for me for the first few weeks of the season." Three days later, Ezekiel Elliott signed. Baker Mayfield, Delaney Walker, and Royce Freeman. I know I took Freeman because I because Marvin I took Jones Freeman. was the best pick in the round. There's, there's a very good lesson here. There are only seven should, rounds of good players. No, you should draft Marvin Jones. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> hey. Maybe Marvin Jones with Matthew Stafford. He was on pace for 84 catches, 1,070 yards, and 12 touchdowns on 114 targets. He did have a four touchdown game, but 114 targets. That was his pace with Matthew Stafford. That's pretty good. Uh, and then let's see how many good picks there were in round nine. Geronimo Allison, nope. LaShawn McCoy, no, not really. Tyrell Williams wasn't bad. John Brown was great. That was Dave. Justin Jackson, Carson Wentz, Dante Pettis to Heath, Peyton Barber, the Jaguars DST to Pete, Jalen Samuels to Jamie, Justice Hill to George, Ronald Jones to Jack. It's a solid pick. It's an okay pick, I guess. But John, like Tyrell Williams, there were okay. So this is what I noted about round three. There were three wide receivers that had the chance to be number one guys on their team: Tyrell, John Brown, and Dante Pettis. John Brown was a smashing success. Tyrell Williams, I I think that's a good pick in round nine. You know, even though he, he didn't have a great year, but you get he like started him. Yeah, yeah, he started him for a month and he scored every week. And well then he worth got hurt. Round nine he didn't hurt you. Yeah, well worth a round nine pick. And Dante Pettis, obviously, no. But I thought to myself, who are those guys this season? Who are the guys that are going to be taken in this range that have the chance to be number one receivers on their team? Uh, and Henry Ruggs came to mind. The, Crowder. The Jets guy. Yes, whichever Jets guy you choose. 
uh, Darius Slayton came to mind. Thoughts on on this sort of comparison? Debo was a little too late for him, but well, yeah, all the Giants, right? I could see Sterling Shepard going a little bit higher in full PPR, but if you get him in round nine, then sure. Yeah, I, which, I mean, I which always giant, look at who would you take first? Which giant would you take first in PPR? Shepard, Shepard. Yes. Um, does Preston Williams count? Why would you think he's going to be the number one receiver? Because before he got hurt last year, he led the team in targets, catches, and yards. And now he's coming off an, a serious injury, right. and Devontae Parker just went nuts. But you it know was, what? Maybe if if Tua transitions, maybe I don't know. I mean, yeah, to be fair, most of Williams' numbers came with Rosen. Could Jalen Rager go here and be considered a number one yep. receiver? Very good one. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, think so- round eight and round nine are the perfect times to start taking, you know, high upside shots. Part of the draft, the pre-draft process everybody should have is finding guys that you know won't go in the first 70 picks who you want to have on your team. And even if it's guys that we say they've got an ADP of round 10, wait till round 10. If you really want them, take them at this point. The, the mid-round, the, the, I always like to say that if you can hit on one player from round seven on, it's going to help your team so much. That's all you have to do. One, one of your last six picks. Yeah, because your your roster at the end of the year is going to look so different than when, the one you drafted. The waiver mm-hmm. wire is going to be huge. Yep. And if you go to round 10, I mean, look at just how how different, just the fate of fantasy football. The first two picks of round 10, the guy who won the league, Jack Capitorto, took Lamar Jackson, and the next pick was Cam Newton. And wouldn't all of us have, have taken Cam Newton over Lamar Jackson a year yeah. ago? Yeah. I know I, I would have. I, I know I would have. No. No? No, well, that's when Heath and I were fighting to see who was going to have him ranked higher. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I, I certainly would have been wrong me. there. But... Obviously, George couldn't have taken Lamar Jackson. He went one pick ahead, but Lamar Jackson and Cam Newton, and it's just, that's how it works out. This is a solid round, though. You get Lamar Jackson, Jamison Crowder, Michael Gallup, uh, Kiki QT, Devin Singletary, Dante Moncrief, Matt Ryan, Damian Harris, Jordan Howard, Kalen Balaj, and Jared Goff. I mean, solid round for, for round 10. Another lesson is draft Jordan Howard. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um, and Crowder, too. Crowder falls into that, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, Heath, you took Devin Singletary, who was, I guess, a less ballyhooed rookie running back. Is there a rookie running back that could go really late that doesn't have a lot of buzz that could, you know, end up being one of the better ones? What? Uh, Zach Moss. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll give you, I'll give you two. Jo- Josh Kelly and Darrington Evans. And I think, um, like, I think a lot of Antonio drafts. Gibson. AJ, Antonio Antonio Gibson, Gibson. Yep. AJ Dillon will be there in round 10 of some drafts for Another sure. Yep. 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 Yeah. I didn't do round 11 and beyond. I just said the best late round picks were Cortland Sutton. I, Dave took Deshaun Jackson and he had a huge week one and then wasn't healthy rest of the year. A lot of quarterbacks, obviously. Jameis Winston. You had Marquise Brown. He wasn't really a great pick. Austin Hooper was great. Russell Wilson was great. Drew Brees. DK Metcalf was top about 30th overall, Kyler Murray, Debo Samuel, Darren Waller, Mark Andrews. Both of those guys were taken in round 13. DJ Chark was a great late-round pick. Dak Prescott, Carlos Hyde, and the Patriots DST. So, um, yeah, I made this point last week, but a lot of good quarterbacks and tight ends go in this range. 
and maybe worth taking some backups there. There were some good young receivers, Cortland or Sutton. Or starters. DJ Chark. Yeah, or starters. Um, all right, any final thoughts? I, I just want to hammer that point home, that quarterback is real deep, and there are a lot of talented young quarterbacks who they don't exactly fit the mold of Lamar Jackson, but they run. They're going to give you some rushing numbers on top of, of what they do through the air. Heath's guy, Gardner Minshew, qualifies. Drew Locke qualifies. Tyrod Taylor isn't a young guy, but we expect him to run. He's got great targets. He would qualify. I think that this is a good year to either wait on quarterback and draft two or draft two anyway and hope that you hit with one of those young guys as this year's Lamar Jackson, where you're drafting them in the double-digit rounds and they end up being a top-five fantasy quarterback. I, just I, think think could, thing- I think you could certainly go for that with two quarterbacks this year. I know it's not; it's kind of like a faux pas to draft two quarterbacks in fantasy, but well, no, it's I, not. I think it's worth taking the chance. No, no, no I just, I just want to add one thing because I think you're right in, in one regard, but I think the one thing is know your league because if nobody takes second quarterbacks, don't waste the pick. Just kind of play it waivers early in the season. But if everybody's taking two, then you want to take two. All right, guys, let's read some emails. Fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. This is from Josh. Rookie Dynasty, I sent pick 205, 2.5, for Hunter Henry. I have Hawkinson, Uzama, and Nick Vanette since I let Gronk go. What? Winner. Winner? Big time. Big time. You'd rather have Hunter Henry than the guy who went, than the player who went. 2.05? Absolutely. Well, it was Brandon Ayuk. Great. Great trade. Really? For a first-round pick rookie wide receiver? Rather? Yes. Okay. Yes, I, yeah, I have Ayuk higher than two point five, um, but I think I still have him below Henry. That was a pretty good pick, by the way, Brandon yep. Ayuk at two point oh five. I think the thing, like you know, we're we see more and more is after round one of a rookie only draft, it, it's such a gamble. You may hit on AJ Brown and and Terry McLaurin, right? Like guys like were in the second right. round or yeah. later last year, but go back the year before. Uh, Andy Isabella, for example, was somebody that was getting a lot of buzz. Uh, Akeem Butler, a lot of buzz, uh, you know, just for their landing spots. We may see it from Deontay Johnson, who was a, a second round pick, but, you know, still has to, you know, prove himself. Um, it, it's just rare. You know, I mean, these guys go in their first few picks for a reason. And, you know, if you can get a proven commodity, especially, I don't know if this is a, a win now team, which I'm assuming it is, um, you know, you, you, you have to make those type of gambles. This email comes from Clinton Miller. I'm trying to come up with a way to make Dynasty Leagues more interesting and inclusive. I wanted to give a dollar amount to the different rounds, and of course, every manager would have a salary cap. The prices would fluctuate with the ADP. The rookie picks would stay constant for two years before changing. This would put more stock in the rookie picks, but it would also keep the higher-priced first-rounders moving and not in one team forever. Where I'm stuck is trying to quantify what each round is worth. I'm thinking everyone gets a a million-dollar cap amount. Any thoughts would be great. You're so close, Clinton. Just like I like this, I like the salary cap deal. I like the increasing prices. I like holding it steady for rookie picks for two years. You don't need to assign a dollar amount to ADP. You just need to have an auction, right? But th- he's already got his dynasty rosters filled. So do you just let go of the entire, you know, talent pool and? Do an auction starting from scratch? Like that's no, I mean, the way I think, to do I it. I think he's got to do a salary cap because then you know when you're trading players, you're trying to make things fit under the cap. 
Yeah. But I would do it based off of an independent IDP source, whether it's ours or somebody else's. You don't have your league assign what each player is worth. I and yeah, I would you, just I just start over. Uh, or you I just don't, don't do, do this idea. But if you're starting a dynasty league and you want to have a salary cap type of a format, do an auction. You should do auctions anyway. They're better than any draft process. This is from Rusty. Darrington Evans was picked at pick 3.6, and I was trying to trade for that owner's pick, but he didn't want to trade. After he made the pick, I told him that was who I wanted to draft. He tells me that he will trade Darrington Evans away for my second-round rookie pick next year. I hear next year's draft is going to be weaker. Do you, I don't think you're right. Do you think I should make the trade or wait till next year to see if he'll be willing to give him up for cheaper? He could I, be he could be a dud next year, or he could be an absolute star. So, you know, if you think you're going to be a competitive team, and you're going to have a pick at the back end of the second round. I'd make that trade quickly. If you think if you think your team is going to stink, then you're going to have a pick in the early part of the second round, which again could be very good. Or it could be a, uh, another guy that you're just you know reaching for, but I would probably take that gamble. I would because, too, because Henry is on the franchise tag. Um, you know they they could conceivably extend. I was reading this this morning. They could conceivably extend him for the next two years under the franchise tag, and he'd be paying, getting paid essentially what Zeke is getting paid now, which is what he asked for, on a year-to-year basis. So if that's what he wants, and they decide to do that, but for was he 27, right? Was he younger than that? Twenty-five. Got old, Henry's. Um, but we know bigger backs coming off heavy workloads. It's not going to be. History tells us it could be bad. So I would, I would make that deal. I mean, this just sounds like a player you wanted to have really bad. If before the pick was made, he said, "Give me in your second next year for my third this year," you probably would have said yes, so that you could take Evans. And now, if you make the trade, you have a whole season to try and trade somebody off your roster for a second-round pick next year in your rookie draft. If you like yeah. Evans that much, make the deal. Evans was a third-round pick in the NFL draft, which is pretty good. I mean, that's a good range for running backs. You get a lot of good ones in the third round. From Justin, he's a good one-cut runner. He he could fit into that offense decently if uh, if given an opportunity. Justin says, I, like I, acquired, "I acquired Michael Thomas <laughs> in a trade involving my 1.2." But I'm very upset at not having a pick to acquire Dobbins or Swift as I am out of picks in the first two rounds. So how much is too much in giving up to acquire one of these picks? I have four top 24 wide receivers on my team, and Michael Gallup is my fifth, but I lack depth at running back. Is Tyler Lockett and a 2021 first-round pick too much for picks for a pick in the 1.3 to 1.6 range? If you were getting... Third, fourth, yeah. fifth, or sixth in the first round, would you give up Tyler Lockett and a 2021 first? I'd if rather have the Lockett side. If you're, you see, that's the thing, though. It's like, if, so if somebody were to tell you right now, you'd be trading Tyler Lockett and a first in 2021 for, let's say it's what for Miles Dobbins. Sanders becomes. Oh, I see what you're saying. Well, yeah, like that you, would suck. No, but you would take that, though, right? Yeah, sure. So it, it that's the the game you got to play. And so it's like Lockett's probably going to start to regress. I don't think he's going to continue to build just the type of receiver that he is. Like these these are probably his ceiling numbers that we're seeing. I don't think he's going to ever break through where he is right now. Disagree with me if you want to, but I, I for me that's just I think like this is his ceiling. Whereas if you're able to hit on the next 
potential star running back, that that's worth it. Yeah, I I take the Lockett side. I probably if I if I'm trading Lockett in the first, I'd want another pick back in return, like a second. You know, so like one one point something this year and a second next year. It's really hard. I wonder how common it is to get like a franchise fantasy running back after the sixth pick of the first round. Because you don't know where your pick's gonna be next year. And if you're guaranteed a top six pick this year, you know, if you end up with one ten next next year, you don't have a great chance of getting a stud running back, in my opinion. Am I crazy? I mean, I feel like no, you're most, not crazy. most of the studs are going to go in the top six, top seven, eight picks. Okay. Anthony from the Bronx, our last email here. Hey, CD, Jerry, Denzel, and Brandon. Wide receivers. Yeah, rookies. Rookie wide receivers. In a regular PPR 1QB league with $210 as the budget, uh, I am keeping Lamar Jackson and Austin Eckler for $1. I can keep three. <laughs> So, here are my options for my third pick. DeAndre Hopkins for 31, Darren Waller for 4, Aaron Jones for 6. I can keep all three of them for up to four seasons. So, you can spend $8 and have your starting quarterback and running backs locked up. Yeah, it's got to be Jones, right? Do it. Yeah. Yeah. Do it. Yeah, I mean, the problem with Waller is his age. All right, Anthony. Do it. Do it, do it. Okay. That's it. That's a great show. Thank you, guys. Much appreciated. Next time you hear from us, we'll be talking about crappy running backs who get a lot of carries. Some of them aren't so crappy. So uh, can't wait for that discussion on tomorrow's episode of Fantasy Football Today. Don't forget to check out our Twitch event Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, twitch.com slash FF Today. For Dave, for Jamie, for Heath, I'm Adam. Na-na-na-na-na-na-na. 